you've entered into a long-term contract with who you think will be a great client. On the client's end, Joe signed the contract. Joe's a great guy until he disappears. And then your client said, Joe never had authority to enter into that contract. What are you going to do? Listen up. Hey, it's Brad Gross coming at you with another Technology Bradcast. If you're a service provider and you want to learn some things, give me a few minutes. You're going to learn a lot. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Technology Bradcast. Thanks for joining us this week. Uh, Today, we are going to be talking about apparent authority and how apparent authority impacts MSPs and the contracts that they enter into with their customers. So the first question that you might be asking yourself is, what is apparent authority and why do I need to know about this? The answer to that question can probably best be explained by giving you a hypothetical. A real hypothetical, this is the type of thing that I see all the time. So let's say your company enters into a services agreement with its customer. The customer is company A, B, and C, right? A, B, C company is now in a contract with your MSP. On ABC's side, Joe signs the agreement, and Joe signs up for a three-year deal, RMM, BDR. It is your gold plan. Everything is great. Uh, You start doing the work. They are paying you in month one, month two, month three. And then in month four, company ABC calls you up and says, we want out of this contract now. Your agreement says it's a three-year deal. The client, your customer, comes back and says, well, you know, Joe signed that agreement. And Joe didn't have authority to enter into a three-year deal on our behalf. In fact, quite candidly, Joe didn't have authority to enter into this contract at all. So we can either fight this in court or you can let us out of this deal right now. What are you going to do? So you're looking, you know, at another 33, 32 months that you have ramped up for. Maybe you've entered into some uh, upstream provider licensing or, or, or agreements that have you on the hook for another almost three years, and the customer says, this should never have happened to begin with. We want out. Joe did not have authority. You could turn around and say, well, Joe was the person we were dealing with. He looked like he had authority, and your customer comes back again and says, he didn't. Now what? Let's talk about apparent authority. Now, I know a lot of you are thinking, well, look, Joe had apparent authority in the example you gave me because he led us on. He led us to reasonably believe that he was the guy who had authority to enter into a contract on behalf of company ABC. So, you know, we're fine, right? The answer, unfortunately, is no, not necessarily. You see, apparent authority doesn't arise from the subjective understanding of the person dealing with the agent, with Joe. It doesn't arise just because you subjectively understood or believed that Joe, the agent, was doing the right thing, that Joe actually represented company ABC. Your subjective understanding really means very little in this analysis. So what are we going to look to? I mean, if we can't rely on what Joe told us, and we can't rely on our subjective feelings, then how do we analyze this? And how do we argue that company ABC really should be held to this contract because they really did appear to, uh, to be bound to this contract? The answer is this. This is my dramatic pause, in case you were listening. This is 
Long pause. Here's the answer. You look to the words and the actions of company ABC itself. You don't just look to what Joe said, because if Joe didn't have authority, well, then Joe can't self-impose authority. If it didn't exist in the first place, well, then he can't be the one to then convey or confirm authority. You have to look to the words and the actions of company A, B, and C. So when we look to those actions and those words, we have to look at the totality of the circumstances. For example, again, assuming that Joe himself has no authority to, to sign anything, we then look to see things like, were other directors and other officers of the company on emails that included Joe or emails from which Joe responded, right? Were other officers and directors on those emails? Did they know about what Joe was doing or was what he was trying to do? Were other officers and directors on the emails or the conversations in which you provided your contract to Company ABC? Did any of the principals of Company ABC ever say to you, you know what, um, if you need direction, if you need some some uh, opinions from, from our company, talk to Joe. He uh, He's pretty good at that stuff. And of course, after the contract was signed and you were providing services to the company, did any other officer or director benefit from those services, understand where they were coming from, and understand, at least to some extent, that these services were part of a contract between you and company ABC? Because the way it works is that a company is not going to be able to use the argument of apparent authority or lack of apparent authority as both a sword and a shield, meaning this. If you did something wrong, would the company reasonably rely on the contract to go after you? They could use it as a sword. But of course, when you try to collect payment or enforce it, are they now going to use it as a shield and say, well, Joe shouldn't have entered into this contract? Company ABC can't use it as a sword and a shield. So you have to look at the totality of the circumstances. Look at who was involved in the conversations, who was CC'd on those conversations, who was involved in telephone calls, who knew what Joe was doing or not doing in the company, who gave Joe authority to speak with you. These are the questions that you have to look at. And when you look at that and you look at the totality of the circumstances, that's when you can make a pretty persuasive argument for apparent authority. But a word of warning, again, if Joe is sort of a lower level director or a lower level manager, you know, he's the only person you're dealing with in the company and no one else seems to know what's going on. Beware of those kinds of circumstances, because if Joe disappears the next day, you're going to be vulnerable to the company turning around and saying, listen, Joe didn't have authority to do anything that he did. We are out of this contract. Now, in any contract that I write uh, with regard to, to managed service providers, I always put something in there about authority, authority to act, authority to acquire directions or guidance from your customer. And that's an important provision to have in your agreement. If it's not in there, if it's not in your agreement, it means I didn't write it and it should be in there. That said, however, you're not going to be allowed to just stick your head in the sand and say, well, this guy signed the agreement, so I assume that he has authority. You have to act in a way that protects your company from the Joes of this world, from the directors that are a little overzealous and trying to make a statement to their own company by bringing in vendors and then disappearing off the face of the earth, leaving your customer to say, Joe never had authority to do anything that he did. So how do you do that? 
How are you going to protect yourself? I mean, if you can't rely on Joe and you can't rely on what is apparently the authority Joe had, what are you going to do? The answer is involve multiple people in your customer's company in the contract. Make sure at least one, maybe two other people are aware of what's going on. When you send out a proposal, don't just send it to the Joe in that company. Send it to Joe and one or two other directors. Once you start your services, make sure you stay in touch with your customer and make sure you stay in touch with at least one or two other directors of the company so they know what you're doing. Because a company, again, is not going to be allowed to say, well, Joe didn't have authority. We knew about the contract. We benefited from the contract, but we want out of the contract. That's not going to fly. So cover yourself by keeping in touch with one or two other people people other than Joe. Obviously, I'm using Joe as an example here, uh, but other than the person who you've been dealing with all along, who signed the agreement, make sure you stay in touch with them. Make sure everyone understands what's going on, and you are going to be largely immune from a customer arguing apparent authority. Okay, that's it for this week. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Technology Broadcast. I'll see you next time.